I found something interesting on my course um, this week. Um, this is nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but the, the creed that we just said is called the Nicene Creed, and it was actually written in about three or f- 300 or 400 AD. And I thought that was really interesting because I assumed it was something that came along much later. But this was one of the ways that it was thought as important by the early church to confess what they believe. Um, so that's just a little token for you to take away today. We can all learn theology together, guys. <laughs> And for those of you who don't know me, I've just started studying theology. So, to put some context to that. Um, Right, we are going to stand together, actually, to start with today. And I'd love you to say this psalm with me. So, would you like to stand? Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome. The great king over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amidst shouts of joy. The Lord amidst sounding of trumpets. Sing praise to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Great, you can take a seat. So recently, I want to see if anyone can remember what we've been looking at for those who were here over the last few weeks. If you weren't here, then don't worry about it. But we've been looking at um, a worship uh, series on taste. Can anyone remember what taste... Oh, don't show it, don't You may have had a glimpse. Can anyone remember what the first T stood for? The first multigen. Tabernacle, brilliant. Can anyone remember what the A stood for? Or... The S stand for that Karenza did last week? Sacrifice. Okay, great. So you're all remembering. So we've got two more left as we look at taste. And today we are looking at triumph. And then next week we'll be looking at encounter. So, yes, you can show it now, Cliff. Thank you. So this is a little um, series that we're going through. And what do we mean by the word triumph? For those of you who are older may remember these cars called Triumph. We're not talking about cars this morning. Sorry, guys. We're actually talking about what triumph means in the Bible. Now, the definition in the dictionary, it's about a very great success, an achievement or victory. So I guess in contemporary language, it might be the kind of smashed it, strong, nailed it, that kind of sentiment. But worship can be used as a weapon in warfare. So why is this? Well, it's because it's about looking at the greatness of God, even in the midst of battle. And we can do this because he has triumphed over our enemies. So our position in battle is actually worship. Think about the Psalms. Many of them flow out of 
difficult times of battle. Some of them are more times of peace, but a lot of them are about people contending and praising God and giving him shouts of joy amidst, amidst the battle. And Carenza spoke last week on sacrifice, and this is kind of linked to triumphant worship because worship doesn't just come out of after the battle, does it? It comes during the battle. And it can often feel costly when we're worshipping, when we feel weak. There can be an emotional cost to this, but also worship changes the atmosphere. So I'm just going to give you one minute, and I'd like you to chat to the person next to you or the people around you. I want you to think about, have you ever noticed a change in atmosphere when you're worshipping? Maybe it was a change in situation. Maybe you were reminded of how big God is or your mood changed. But just chat to the person next to you about whether you've ever noticed a change in the atmosphere when you're worshipping. Go. Okay, okay, okay. It's always a danger amidst a talk, getting people to talk to each other, but I'm trusting you with this this morning, guys. Well done. Great. And so it may be that you noticed a change in the situation after worshipping, or maybe you noticed just that your perspective changed. Worship changes the atmosphere. A few years ago, I was trying to plant a missional community into a lady's home with another lady. And there was a lot of cancellations. Every time we tried to meet, things kept getting cancelled and ill health happened. And it really felt like there was quite a lot of battle uh, happening. And so one day, we had a text come through cancelling us meeting together once again. And me and my friend Marsha, we decided, well... Actually, let's really pray and worship about this. So we went into my cellar. At the time, we had this big old grand Victorian house. And we had this cellar that we kind of converted into a prayer cellar. And we'd we'd go there and pray. So anyway, we went down into this cellar. And we just started worshipping and praising God. And just asking God for breakthrough in prayer and praise. I don't know whether you've ever found that at the end of a prayer time, sometimes we pray through and then we feel like we've got to a point and actually we've prayed as long as was right to pray for. Anyway, we kind of hit that point. And just as we hit that point, a text came to our phones and she said, the lady whose house it's supposed to be at, I'm really sorry, Um, I lied when I told you I couldn't make tonight and I'd actually love to do it. And so we were like, wow, what, what breakthrough. And I was quite surprised with how worship and prayer made such an immediate change. Karenza talked about Habakkuk 3 last week. And um, Habakkuk 3 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no fruit, there there were no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. This again shows us that even in the midst of the darkest moments that actually praise and worshipping God are the way through. My mum and dad had a really interesting taste in music growing up. They kind of put it on us that in the car we would have to listen to these awful Christian songs that 
were not my style. They weren't very contemporary. Um, and we had to endure because they were the bosses. So one of these albums was by a guy called Don Francisco. You're going you're gonna to be in for a treat now because we're actually going to listen to some. So brace yourselves. This is probably like something that you would never choose to listen to, but bear with me. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. I don't care what the devil's going to do. The word in faith is my sword and shield. Jesus is the Lord of the way I feel. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. I don't care what the devil's going to do. The word in faith is my sword and shield. Jesus is the Lord of the way I feel. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there be no grapes upon the vine, though the olive tree shall cast its fruit, the field shall yield no grain to grind, though the flock shall all be scattered, and there be no cattle in the stall. The Lord is still my joy and strength, and by His word, you'll change it all. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, I don't care what the devil's gonna do, the word in faith is my sword and shield. Jesus is Lord of the way I feel the Spirit. You're welcome, guys. You are so welcome. This is what I got to listen to. <laughs> you did as well. Brilliant. And the words, the words were, Though the victory shall not blossom, though there be no grapes upon the vine, though the olive tree shall cast its fruit and the field shall yet no grain to grind, Though the flock should all be scattered and there be no cattle in the stall, the Lord is still my joy and strength and by his word he'll change it all. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't care what the devil's going to do. The word in faith is my sword and shield and Jesus is the Lord of the way I feel. Now, he's obviously maybe not stylistically what you would go to. Um, not the most contemporary artist, but actually the theology and truth he's singing, singing about still remains the same today. He's singing the Bible. I was once amazed when we were just had a prayer meeting in a church when we were in Nottingham. And as we were praying, this lady started to manifest this evil spirit. And this lady who had been quite a shy person, um, all of a sudden, profanities started coming out of her mouth. And um, she was in this rage. And people looked to me because I had had experience in the past of bringing deliverance. And I was standing there thinking, oh, what are we going to do? Anyway, as I was praying and seeking God, a thing God said to me was, I want you to start singing, Jesus' love is very wonderful. <laughs> I was like, you have got to be joking. <laughs> so God sometimes asks you to do things, and you're just thinking, nah. <laughs> anyway, I had nothing better to offer to the situation. So as she was effing and blinding, I put my hand on her, and I was like, Jesus' love is very wonderful. 
It was the most ironic thing that just found in that situation, so surreal. And everybody who was looking to me started joining in with it. I'm so high, you can't get over it. We we're all singing different bits at the wrong time because none of us quite could remember the order of the verses. Anyway, this evil thing left her. <laughs> I was quite amazed. I was amazed that this young song of Jesus' love is very wonderful had such power to shift the spiritual atmosphere, to take someone who was in turmoil inside into a place of deliverance just by proclaiming Jesus and by worshipping him. And that is the power of worship. It is powerful. Even singing a kiddie song, praising the name of Jesus, can move mountains. We have victory in his name. And when we worship, we take ground in the spiritual realm and that's nothing to be taken lightly. It's powerful. It's triumphant. Sometimes my kids, when they struggle to sleep at night, if they're feeling frightened or a lack of peace, they go to places to stick some worship music on in the background just to bring peace to the atmosphere. So like Habakkuk, our posture in, is worship, even in the midst of trial. When I was um, at university, I did go through quite a dark point at one point, and the only thing I could do was just throw myself on God. So I just printed off loads of Bible verses, and I put them all around my room, and I started worshipping. I had a keyboard in my room, and I sang My Jesus, My Savior over and over again. And it was really funny, because none of the people that I was living with were Christians, but they all knew the song. <laughs> By the time I left, and any time I started to play, they all came in and joined in, my Jesus. <laughs> and it was amazing that that just changed the atmosphere of the house that I was living with, and even people who didn't believe started to join in with the worship that I was singing. So, now I know that all my references this morning regarding worship have been about song, and obviously we know that worship is much broader than song. We're actually a worship service now, which is more than just simply the songs that we're singing. And in context to God, worship is about how we hold ourselves in our lives before the King of Kings. But I do want to focus on song today. Because sometimes when we talk about worship being everything we do before God, we can lose the importance of the place of song in worship. So why do we worship with music? We don't have to use music. We could just speak out praise, and that is part of worship. But why, why do we use song? Well, if you look through the Bible, you'll notice that music was important throughout biblical history. So when Saul got distressed, he used to ask David to come and play to him to calm the place. The Psalms are written in response to various circumstances, both lament and praise. 2 Samuel 6, when David was bringing back the ark from Obadiah, he danced with all his might and the trumpets were playing and Israel was shouting and they were worshipping. In Joshua, when they were marching around the walls, they were blowing trumpets and shouting and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. In Luke 1, there's a song of Mary. After she's been told that she's going to conceive um, the Son of God, she sings a song. There's the song of Moses after they'd been delivered from Egypt, after they'd come through the Red Sea. They started singing a song 
in Exodus 15. And then there was the song of Miriam after that. And she also had dancing and tambourines and with the ladies started singing for joy. In Zephaniah, it talks about the fact that God rejoices over us with singing. In Lamentations, there's five songs mourning over the loss of Jerusalem. In Revelations, four creatures and 24 elders all prostrate themselves and are worshipping. In Judges 15, Samson sings a very odd little song. With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of the donkey are killed a thousand men. Different. Deborah sings in Judges. In Luke 1, Zechariah sings a song. The angels sing on the birth of Jesus in Luke 2. And shepherds return after seeing Jesus singing. And I did not have to look far to find all these. The Bible is full of singing, of songs, of worship to God. Worship in song appears a number of times in Revelation as well. And I think the reason for this is actually because worship is the culture of heaven. When we worship, we bring a kingdom of God to the world around us. We see heaven touching earth. And you know, I don't know about you, but I want to be a thin place between heaven and earth. And song is part of this. And when we're in the new heaven and the new earth, I believe that there still will be singing. Some people may be thinking, oh no, not singing 24-7. That sounds so boring. Day and night, night and day, let and sense and rise. I know many people who are like not looking forward to this aspect of heaven, of that it's just going to be this one singing the same words over and over again for eternity. And that is not what I'm talking about. That is not what worship in heaven will be like. So let's rethink what it might be like. Have you ever stood and beheld something beautiful? It could be nature. It could be that you've been to beautiful places. It could be artwork. It could be witnessing an amazing performance or looking at a fantastic car. It could be hearing a wonderful voice sing or tuning in to the birds at dawn. It could be eating exquisite food. It could be being blown away by the generosity of someone or the generosity of God. And when you've beheld these things, you've encountered something of the wonder of God in creation. I believe that heaven will be a wow place, that we will be so amazed, that we'll be looking from place to place, just being overwhelmed, and that that will turn our hearts into worship. It's not going to be this compulsory, you must worship God with these three songs. It's going to be an overflow of our hearts to worship God because we are so amazed of what it's like to live in the presence of God 24-7. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. So I don't think that singing even in heaven will be all that we do. I imagine there will be a continual attitude of worship, though, that will permeate everything. This is like triumphant worship. Because triumphant worship is not compulsory worship. It leads us into awe and wonder. I've had the joy of physically encountering God in worship. I don't know whether you have ever felt Holy Spirit move in your body, but there's nothing like it. 
It's a really powerful experience. And it's not every time I worship, but those moments when I really engage with what I'm singing and what I'm saying, and it moves me on the inside. If we think about when David brought back the tabernacle, he worshipped with all his might. Well, why did he do this? I think the reason is that he had seen the difference between what it was like to live with the presence of God, to have the ark, and then when the ark was at Obed-Edom's, his house was then blessed. And so when David got it back and his presence, God's presence was coming back to David, he was so overwhelmed. He was so joyful about that because he had also seen what it was like to be without it. And he was so joyful to have it back again. In worship, we are joining with the present heaven in worshiping God. And that's quite a hard thing to get our heads around, isn't it? That we are actually worshiping with the angels. We're worshiping with creation. Jesus says to his disciples in Luke that if he does, if they don't praise, the rocks will cry out. Our foremost calling as Christians, above your job, above your commitments, is to be a worshiper of God. You know, we know that the first commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if that's to not worship, I don't really know what is. So let's just get on to the contentious subject of styles of worship music. You see, it's actually truth that it's possible to encounter God in any style of musical worship, contrary to popular opinion. Worship is not only blessed with a band or with an organ or with a taise chant. Out of the overflow of the heart, our mouths speak. And when we choose to focus on him, we can bring the best praise possible. Best praise possible. Um, for a time when David was a curate, uh, there were two churches that we were part of. And the one in the village that we lived was... It was an Anglican church, but it was um, different to what I was used to. And they had a choir, and what they did was every Sunday they liked me to go and play for their worship because they didn't have any musicians among them that could do that. And I've got to be honest with you, I didn't really look forward to doing this because they were singing songs that I wasn't particularly familiar with. I'd have to learn all these new hymns. And it also, it just wasn't my preferred worship style. And I remember going along one Sunday, just like, oh. Anyway, didn't tell them that, but I played music for them. And God just whispered to my heart, am I not worthy of praise here? And I felt really convicted that actually it had nothing to do with what I was playing. What was important was how I was engaging my heart with God as I played and worshipped him to these songs that were outside of my comfort zone. Because the truth is, God is worthy of praise in every space that we find ourselves in, in every church context. Even if it's someone leading worship really badly on a guitar, which can be distracting, I know, because I've tried to leave my worship, the missional community with my guitar, and I am not very good. But... Even so, God is worthy, isn't he? He's the one that we're looking at. He's the one that we're praising. And we'll probably all enjoy different styles. And it's easy to discredit church worship, that it's not the right style or not the right volume or 
you don't like the person leading it or something, but actually, worship, the heart of worship is about your heart. I did my first degree in music, and we were called to look at the question, what is music? And actually, it broadened my thinking because music can be found in creation. It can be found in a waterfall. It can be found in a bird song. And John Cage famously wrote that song where music was just silence. Music can come in so many styles and forms. But what's important is that we're singing the truth of God from our hearts. And it will continue to change, as culture does. You know, what we do here might be different to what would happen in a hundred years' time. You know, music will continue to change, but the truth of God being worthy of worship will remain the same. And I, along with the next person, can get distracted in worship where you know the words and you're singing them, but you're not actually invested in worshiping God through them. You have to choose to focus on God again. And sometimes there is a battle as we do that. That actually, you know, my hearts might be full of other things. Our heads might be full of other things. And it's a choice to actually engage with God when we're saying the words that we're saying. It's a choice. Worship changes us. And this, again, from the song that we heard, Jesus is the Lord over the way I feel. He gets to be Lord over the way we feel when we bring everything to him and we worship in his presence. And it's also knowing that he's still worthy of the praise, even if the circumstancing that we're praying and worshiping into isn't changing, even if it's not going the way we want, he is still worthy of our praise. It's not to be viewed as an exchange. Worshipping is because he is Lord and he is good. I also think the fantastic thing about worship is we get to learn truths and theology when we sing. We get to sing the Bible. Just think for a minute, what is a song that has spoken to you at some point? Just have a think now. You don't have to chat. I imagine for us all that there's probably some songs that we could highlight that have been really important to us at a time of life. We, um, when I was younger, I was probably about 21. I was sitting down at the piano one day and just playing this tune, and this beautiful tune came out, and I can only say it felt inspired by the Holy Spirit. And as I was playing this tune, I tried to put words to it, but words wouldn't come and then I just turned to God and I said, well, what, what is this music for? And he said, it's to play at your nan's funeral. My nan wasn't dead, so this felt a bit odd to me. Anyway, I went away that weekend to a soul survivor in Manchester. Something or other was happening there. And whilst I was there, my nan passed away. And I hadn't realized that she, she wasn't ill. It hadn't seemed like that was the time that she was going to go. And I just knew that God had given me this song to play at her funeral. And so I said to my family, do you mind if I play this song? And I did. And it just felt like a real grace from God to have a song that I could respond to in my grief at the time that I needed it. And it was really powerful for me to also know that she was taken in God's timing, that he had told me that this was going to happen, and I found real security in that. 
I would encourage you, don't be afraid to change your thinking about worship. To open yourself to new experiencing in worship, even if they're outside of your comfort zone. So what does this mean for you? Well, worship has always been important to me because growing up, um, I was one of five children and my mom and dad didn't have a lot of money. Um, And so for them, it was a real sacrifice to actually pay for us to have music lessons and exams. And I learned like three instruments and all my brothers and sisters, we all had the opportunity to learn instruments. And I think as far as my mom and dad were concerned, they enjoyed worship, but also they wanted to give us something that we could use later on in life. And so I've always known that it was a sacrifice for me to learn. And so for me, I think like when I associate myself with playing worship, I also know of their sacrifice in it as well and find joy in that I do get to enjoy worship and playing things. But it's not just for the musician or the vocalist. Like I said before, it's about a posture of our heart. You could be completely tone deaf and still enjoy worship. There's a a Bible verse that talks about Uh, Come make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't talk about a talented noise. (laughs) Just a joyful noise. And I find there's goodness in that, isn't there? God's not saying, hey, you have to be great at this. What he's looking at is our hearts. He's not looking at how skilled we are. He's just looking at our heart response to him. So I wonder for you, how might you position yourself in worship? Will you sing when things are tough? Will you sing a triumphant song in battle? Will you sing if you're in a context that's not your preferred style of worship? Maybe this isn't your preferred style of worship. Will you go on a journey with God towards encountering him in musical worship? Will you dare to mean the words that you sing?